Thank you all for tuning in. I hope you're having a beautiful day. What a beautiful day it was here in Taos, New Mexico. Such a beautiful sunset today. I'm just so thankful to live in a beautiful place where the sky is consistently changing and the sunsets are glorious. I just give praise and glory to God. I'm so thankful for all that he's doing in our hearts and in our lives. Today we are talking about a life of faith. Before we get started, let's go ahead and pray. Yahweh, we just thank you for your righteous love and your precious goodness. Thank you for the way that you open our eyes that you cause us to understand. You open our understanding. We might not see things in the natural, but you open up our spiritual eyes, that you open up our understanding. And we just thank you for that, that when we commune with you, that you cause us to see and to understand. And we just pray that you would just cause us to see and to hear, to receive what it is that you're speaking to us right now in this session. And we just give you glory and all praise for your precious gift of salvation for your life that you have given to us. We magnify and bless you in Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. Thank you guys for tuning in again. And this one is titled A Life of Faith. And we're going to look at the story of Yeshua when he had died and he resurrected to life again. But his disciples were having trouble receiving what was going on. I can imagine that it must have been very discouraging, disheartening to watch Yeshua, their promised Savior and salvation, be persecuted and crucified and beaten unto death. I can imagine their hopes, their dreams, their ideas of who he was and what he was going to do and how he would release them from Roman oppression, the tyranny of the time that they were living in. And they had their hope in this Messiah and they were expecting that something was going to happen in their lives, that he was going to release them from certain pressures, that he would be the one that would take leadership and lead even a war against these people. And yet it was a spiritual war that was going on and it was fought not in the natural but in the spiritual realms. So literally him surrendering, submitting to God and obediently unto death conquering hell and the grave, shedding his innocent blood and being resurrected to life was what he was called to do. And yet to the disciples in the natural, they were having a different kind of expectation. So then they heard that the tomb was empty and they didn't perceive or understand even the ramifications or even what had taken place, even though these things had been prophesied throughout scripture and that he had even spoken it out of his own mouth he would resurrect. They still didn't understand what was going on. And so they're walking to the warm springs, the road to Emmaus, which means warm spring. And can you imagine? They probably wanted to get into some warm springs. We actually have warm springs in New Mexico, in Taos. And we actually went to them last week, me and my children. I took them to the warm spring. And it's interesting because they're on this journey and Jesus, Yeshua, he is resurrected and he is walking with them, and yet they don't recognize him. They can't even see that it's him. And yet he's talking to them about his death. He's talking to them about the scriptures relating to his death and to his resurrection, and they still don't see it. And they are just sharing with him 
their situation. And he's talking to them, and yet they can't see that they're walking with their resurrected Savior. It's not until they got to the destination and invited him to come in and to sit with them and have dinner and commune with them that they could then see because he caused their eyes to see. He opened their understanding to understand the scriptures. And I don't know about you, but there might be a situation that you're going through in your own life right now. There might be something that is not lining up with your understanding of reality, your understanding of how things are supposed to be going. And yet I hear the Holy Spirit encouraging you right now that is saying, commune with me, sit at the table. When we come and we get into the presence of God and we just sit with him, we give thanks with him that he opens the eyes that we can see clearer. He opens our understanding that we can understand that he is risen, that anything that is dying in your life today will resurrect in a greater measure for glory. Any suffering that you're going through like our Savior, don't you know that we suffer to enter into greater glory? Before we're going into a new season of glory, there will be these times of dying. There will be these tests. There will be trials, but he's establishing us and preparing us for greater glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. So I'm encouraged by this story of the disciples today. And I'm thankful that we can commune with him in his presence and that it is in his presence that we can see, we can hear. Let's look at that. Luke 24, 22 through 27. And this is when they're explaining to Jesus, to Yeshua, about when Mary had gone to the tomb and found that it was empty. This is verse 22. It says, yes, and a certain woman of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. And then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. And that's Yeshua. He's like, don't you see? He's alive. The angels have spoken it and it's in the scriptures. And he's saying, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe and all the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things to enter into his glory. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So he's expounding on that through the scriptures. He's opening the scriptures to them. He's telling them about himself. So we see right there in verse 26, he's saying, don't you understand? You're slow to believe. I had to suffer to enter into this greater glory. I had to go through a death and a resurrection to be resurrected in glory. Hallelujah. When we skip down a couple of verses, we're reading when they're already at the table. They got to their destination and he was saying that he was going to go on traveling further and they invited him in and they're at the table. And this is verse 30. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight because they had done that at Passover. They had done that at the Last Supper. They had done this before with him. When he broke that bread and he blessed it and he gave thanks, they remembered and they could see him 
clearly, and that's how it is when we sit and dine and commune and remember what he has done for us and remember his salvation in our lives, we can't help but see, hallelujah, the faith is increased. The faith in him is increased in greater measure and we know that he saves, heals, delivers, and sets us free no matter what we're going through. We know he works all things together for the good for those who are called according to his purposes. And now I'm going to skip all the way down to verse 53. This is when he's actually ascending into his glory and he's giving them that commission to go and to preach the gospel, to share of what they have seen, his death, his salvation, his resurrection. And we see that after he had ascended into heaven, that they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. They've encountered his salvation. They've encountered him going into and ascending into his glory. And they remained in the temple praising and blessing God. And that's what happens when we have encountered that fresh glory of God. We know he has brought us from death to life. We have encountered his resurrection power. We have encountered his glory. We have seen him in such a fresh way. And we can't help but want to praise and to bless him. When you have been saved, (laughs) when you have seen his glory, your heart is to praise and to bless God, to be in that place of communion with him. So there is that desire to praise, to bless, to commune in his presence. And we read about that desire to have communion, to have that closeness with our beloved, with our salvation, our savior, Yeshua, in his presence. Of course, Song of Solomon is a prototype of us, the bride of Christ and Yeshua. It's also a picture of Solomon, King Solomon, and his bride and the Shulamite. But it's such a beautiful picture of being in the presence of God. And when you read it with that kind of understanding, it really deepens your understanding of the blessing it is to commune, the blessing to be in that presence of God. And that is found in Song of Solomon 8. 13 through 14, it says, My beloved, one with me in my garden, how marvelous that my friends, the brides to be, now hear your voice and song. Let me now hear it again. Arise, my darling, come quickly, my beloved, come and be the graceful gazelle with me. Come, be like a young stag with me. We will dance in the high place of the sky. Yes, on the mountains of fragrant spice, forever we shall be united as one. And this is a beautiful poetic picture of being in his presence. I like first how it talks about the brides-to-be. They now hear your voice and song. And when we are brides-to-be and we can hear his song because he has saved, delivered, we have encountered his salvation, his resurrection life. We have encountered his glory. We can now hear his voice and his song rejoicing in him. And this is to the beloved. It says, arise, my darling, come quickly, come and be the graceful gazelle with me. When we were in Israel, we saw these gazelles and they really are amazing creatures because they can dance on tree branches. They can run across boulders and rocks. They are so firm footed. It's amazing to see them. I was watching them climbing these trees and they're these four-legged creatures a lot like a deer but they have these curved antlers and they can 
walk on tree branches and on these rocks in these high mountains. They were dancing and they were playing together and they were eating. And so it says, we will dance in the high place of the sky. Yes, on the mountains of fragrant spice forever we shall be united as one. This is a beautiful picture of just coming away with God to be with him in his presence on the mountain of fragrant spices, that sweet aroma of his presence to commune. So you can imagine that these disciples have seen what they've seen. They've witnessed what they've witnessed. They've seen the glory and they're in the temple. They're communing like the brides to be. They can see, they can hear. They're in communion. So we see that they've encountered him. They've encountered his glory. They desire to praise and to bless him all the days of their life. They become mighty witnesses of his salvation, of his resurrection, power, mighty walking testimonies. They were infilled by the power of the Holy Spirit in the upper room. They were empowered and endued in the presence of God in prayer and supplication, wanting to then go out and to be witnesses to the nation. And not only that, they seek after a different kingdom. And when we have encountered him and we have come into his presence and we commune with him, we have different desires, not of the kingdom of this world, not the things of this world, but to commune with him and to live for his kingdom, to bless others, spread the good news of the salvation of God. It is an overflow from being in his presence. Hebrews 13, 13 through 16 says, let us then go to him outside the camp because Yeshua was crucified, not in a tabernacle, not in a city. He suffered outside the camp. He was pushed aside. He was rejected of man, a man of sorrows, a acquainted with suffering and grief, and he suffered to enter into his glory. And as his disciples, it says, let us then go to him outside the camp and share his shame, for there is no permanent city for us here on earth. We are looking for the city which is to come. Let us then always offer praise to God as our sacrifice through Yeshua, through Jesus, which is the offering presented by lips that confess him as Lord. Do not forget to do good and to help one another because these are the sacrifices that please God. It says we're looking for the city which is to come, but offer praise to God. That's our sacrifice through Yeshua. That is our offering the lips that praise him, the lips that confess that he is God, that declare who is Lord. Don't forget to do good and to help one another because these are the sacrifices that please him. So we see this is a beautiful passage and it's kind of breaking us of any kind of religious structure or religious mind set, knowing that Yeshua suffered because he didn't come in his own name. He came in the kingdom and that as his disciples, we desire after him and that we can sacrifice ourselves through praise and through proclaiming that he is God, that he is Lord and also doing good to help one another, to bless one another. These are the sacrifices that please him, that please God. Jesus did not come in the natural. He was not a great religious leader with a temple. He didn't establish himself in the ways of man. He came carrying the kingdom within him, and we as his disciples are also carriers of his kingdom. Hallelujah. 
So we see with the disciples that they were being challenged to walk by faith and not by sight. And it was in communing that they saw with their eyes and their understanding. Living a life of faith is trusting our God and his salvation. It is the substance of things that we hope for. It is the evidence of things that we do not see. We don't even have to see it or understand it to believe it. And to live a life of faith, but to walk in faith is then to worship, to praise God, to come into his presence, to commune with him despite the circumstance, despite what's going on around you. It is proclaiming that he is God. It is confessing that he is Lord. It is knowing that all things work together for the good for those who are called according to his purposes. It's desiring and longing after a world that is not here in the natural. It's desiring after the eternal. It's desiring after the kingdom that is within us. It is desiring and walking out from a place of faith, from a place of believing and knowing that our God is faithful, believing and knowing that his words are true, believing and trusting that no matter the storm and no matter the circumstance and no matter what you're seeing on the outside, even when it doesn't line up with what you know or expect to be true, that it's going to be a greater glory than it ever was before. It's going to be great than what you could ever imagine. So we go outside the camp, outside the box, outside the religious structures, outside of what it is that we know. Hallelujah. We suffer. We go through challenges. We are like our Savior outside the camp. And sometimes we suffer to enter into a greater glory. But we know there's such a greater glory. We know who is the over. Overcomer, and we know who brings us victory every single time. So we give him praise, and we know that he saved, he'll delivered, set us free. We know he'll do it again. He'll do it for you. He'll do it for me because that is our faith, and that is living in faith. That is walking out our faith, believing who he is, believing and knowing not something that we've never encountered because we've encountered encountered his grace. We've encountered his love. We've encountered his salvation so many times. It's believing when we just don't see it in the moment that he will do it again. He will do it. It is the substance of things that are hoped for. The evidence of things we're not seeing in the moment, but they will come to pass because every word that he has ever spoken is true and he is not a man that he should lie. So we walk a life of faith by communing, by praising, by worshiping our God, desiring after his presence and living outside the box and knowing any suffering that we ever do experience his leading to such a greater glory. So we just praise you, Father, for this picture, for opening our eyes and our understanding that we don't have to seek for permanence in this world because we know that your kingdom is eternal 
eternal and that your kingdom will come and be accomplished upon this earth. So we don't fix our eyes upon the natural. We fix our eyes upon you. We fix our eyes upon what it is that you are accomplishing. And we thank you that we can commune with you, that you give us understanding and that you open our eyes as we take you in. And we just take you in today fresh and new. We take in your salvation. We trust in your resurrection life that any struggle or circumstance that we go through that you are doing a mighty thing through it and we just give you praise and glory in Yeshua's mighty name. Amen and amen. I pray this word has blessed you. I pray that you have a beautiful and blessed week and we will see you next time.